The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to show number 234 with the latest tech news. And then we'll look at more smart gardening technology for the winter months with smart greenhouses or maybe smart upgrades for your existing greenhouse. First, though, a quick look at this week's technology news. Uh, and we'll start off in Google land with Stadia. This was their, uh, their next generation platform for gaming. It meant that it didn't matter what sort of computer you had or what sort of games console you had. All of the hard work was going to be done in Google's cloud. Past tense there. I know, and this is annoying because I just started to look at Stadia and, and almost start to enjoy it. Took advantage of one of their sales on last year where they were selling off the controllers for very low very low prices, about £12, I think, by the time you applied all the discounts. Um, that should have been the writing on the wall. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, Google do have this nasty habit of killing off services. They launch a load of new stuff and do some uh, some really interesting innovation. And then they come along a couple of years later and all the bits that aren't doing really, really, really well, they just give a bit of a, a prune to. Um, and <laughs> so much so that there's a web website dedicated to all of the services that have been killed by Google. Um, and unfortunately, Stadia is heading onto that list now. Yes, 18th of January 2023, the service will turn off finally. Um, what they have done is they have said that uh, subscriptions will not be charged anymore. So anyone who has a subscription uh, will no longer be charged their monthly subs. Um, and they will be refunding all in-app purchases. Good. So that means games as well as hardware like controllers and headsets and so on. Yeah. So you shouldn't you shouldn't be left out of pocket no, as a result no. of this decision, but you might be left just feeling a little bit let down. I'm guessing if you know, if it's something that you've sort of mentally invested in, if it, you know, if you've built up a load of gameplay, maybe got some some interesting stuff going, then you know it it is going to be a disappointment to uh, to folks that have entered that market, isn't it? Yes, and if if the platform game that you are playing has some sort of login that you can log into that vendor's ecosystem to save your gameplay do that yeah <laughs> you have a, a reasonable amount of time to work out how to do that and most of the game vendors who are on stadia are coming up with solutions on what to do so that you're not going to lose your gameplay your saved sessions your um uh, your uh, skill points your levels anything that you've actually built up over that time of using stadia to actually play the game uh, and of course, Stadia, you know, it's it's easy to see this as a, a, a bit of a kind of symbol of the failure of this kind of technology. But Stadia is only one of those players. Microsoft have got, uh, got their flavour of it. Uh, Nintendo, likewise. Um, Xbox really, the, the Microsoft ecosystem really seems to be kind of leading this field. And it, it does seem to be a, a good option for some classes of game not others. Things like the the kind of first-person shooters and that sort of thing where it's very dependent on, on quick reaction times, that's never going to be a good fit for putting something in the cloud because just the time it takes you know, your control inputs to get from yeah. your controller into whoever it is servers and then the gameplay to come back to your PC, that's never going to be as good as something that's running locally. For a bunch of games, though, that's that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're playing a shooter that is effectively just playing against machine-generated opponents, 
doesn't matter. Um, it all happens in, in the time set by the system running that. It doesn't matter if there's a bit of latency back to you. And um, yeah, the Stadia controller was quite an interesting innovation in that they made it so you got set up using Bluetooth to actually pair to your uh, Chromecast with Google TV. And after that, it then switched to Wi-Fi. Oh, so as long as you're on the same Wi-Fi as your Google uh, Chromecast with Google TV, that or your or Chromecast Pro, that is how they got the latency down because Bluetooth low energy is, and even standard Bluetooth is quite rubbish for latency. But I think that's something that we're seeing in a lot of sort of smart devices now. Um, I know some of the the smart relays, and and maybe this is a topic for another uh, another gadget guide. Uh, the sort of home automation relays now. The latest Shelleys are coming with. Bluetooth low energy for setup yep. that lets you get it onto the Wi-Fi network and avoids that that kind of awkward dance of you have to disconnect your phone from your normal Wi-Fi, <laughs> connect it to the device's Wi-Fi, which then goes off and searches for your home Wi-Fi, and then you sort of hope the things meet up again somewhere in the middle, um, and, and and that can go wrong. So I think that sort of Bluetooth to to wireless handoff uh, to Wi-Fi handoff um, is something that's going to stick around and, and seen in Stadia, but but also more and more products now. Yeah, um, I think it's a it's a smart move and i think it's it's something that's going to as you said be watched by other vendors as to whether they can use that to improve that technology one thing about the stadia controller if you have got one don't throw it away uh they can be used to actually run pc games you just have to use them wired so you use the usb c to a yep, cable so still a, still it. a controller just not as smart as it used to be yes yes Heading from Google into Amazon now, and it's uh, it's the launch of uh, their new hardware. They uh, they tend to do this about once a year, and I, I guess one of the the headlines you, you're not surprised to to see the latest generation of digital assistants. Um, but uh, the the one that sort of headlined at least some of the reports was the Halo Rise, which looks like they've taken uh, one of the Echo Dots and turned it on its side. So it's yes. <laughs> instead and, of being and... a hockey puck that sits down on your bedside table, it's now a hockey puck that stands up on its edge. And a little bit of design looks very similar to some products from the likes of Philips. Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. there, there, might, there might be a few uh, patent lawyers um, watching things closely and deciding whether this case is. But yes, it's going to be an alarm clock that wakes you up by uh, turning on a light. Uh, built into uh, it. Yes, sarcasm aside, this is the nice, uh, the nice feature of it. Yes. It's, it's got a built-in light um, and it warms up. So the idea is it's not just the, the kind of harsh you know, get out of bed and turn your uh, turn your full-on room lights on and oh gosh that hurts it, it's meant to just gently bring you to in the same way that that waking up on the sort of summer morning would do uh particularly important of course as we head into the uh, the darker mornings yes of course if you've if you've got smart light bulbs you might have automated that sort of thing anyway um other stuff from them they are showing off a new kindle which actually has a stylus that you can then draw and write on which is interesting now that this is this has generated a little bit of uh, a little bit of unpopularity in uh, in the world of social media at least because this is the Kindle Scribe um, looks very nice. It's very similar to the remarkable uh, set of tablets, um, which is very much d designed to sort of replace the the kind of the, the notepad and sharpie that you might have sat by, sat by your desk. Yeah, it's not meant to be a full on graphics tablet that you'd use to create art. Um, but for just scribbling those notes at the same time as being able to take them, take them with you on something that feels and looks and uh, sort of touches like paper, 
Um, Amazon, obviously, a much bigger player. I, I do wonder if they've sort of eaten Remarkable's lunch a little bit there. And it was a, a very, or is a very, very popular brand, the Remarkable. And I, I wonder if the, you know, the the folks that uh, that enjoy those are going to just feel a little bit bad about what Amazon have done. <laughs> yes, uh, of course, making annotations on on books has never uh, it, it has been around for a lot a long while, even on Kindle using the PC based yes uh, reader um, or just adding text notes uh, with the Kindle that had a keyboard when those still existed. But uh, yeah, having having bought a well, got got given an ebook on a different platform and wanting to read it on the Kindle, boy, that was a challenge. <laughs> yes. Well, what I did get caught out by recently was the, and, and I, I'm sort of surprised by this, but in an effort to make more and more content available in the Kindle library, um, there are now titles that you can buy on the Kindle store, but you can't read on a Kindle reader. You can only read it on a PC. Is that because so of some of the ones that, that are colour and so on? Uh, no, no, it was it, it was a technical book, um, and I think it's just where they haven't got the kind of the non-typeset version. They've only right. got something that looks a little bit like a PDF. Um, okay. But do watch out for that when you you can tell when you're buying it because it does there's the is. sort of buy and deliver to, and it'll only show the cloud reader in that. It won't show your Kindle devices. Interesting, interesting. A few other things that they showed off: a uh, new Echo Studio, which is there. Um, large speaker, uh, the largest one in the series. Uh, some new Echo Dots and Echo Dots with clock. A little bit of an overhaul on those. Uh, don't know if the uh, if uh, the Echo Auto is going to make it to the UK. I know that the original never did. I'm kind of hoping this does, and and I'm speaking entirely per uh, personally here. If you don't have the latest car, if you've got a new car, then it's probably got Android Auto and uh, Apple uh, CarPlay, and that's that's fine. That kind of deals with it. But if you've got an older car that maybe doesn't have any of that, doesn't even perhaps have Bluetooth audio, but you do have the 3.5mm uh, jack plug, yep. most phones don't come with a headphone socket anymore. So one of these would be perfect. Clip and it to the dashboard. It's, just, it's a tiny little uh, Amazon uh, speaker yep. with audio out and it'll talk to your car either bluetooth or uh, or wired that and, that would be ideal and being for me. able to do the basic voice commands and controls and so on like say yeah. to it uh, hey device uh, how long is it going to take me to get to work because it really knows where work is yep it will tell you avoid the m11 it's a bit broken um yeah like I, I, said, I would i would love to one, see that over in the uk original one never made it to the uk which is crazy when you consider that car electrics is pretty much globally universal we don't have mm. the challenges of different power systems different plug types or anything like that all i can imagine is it might be something regulatory yeah is it something that makes it more problematic to bring that into a european market uh from a you might be liable for something I, i'm not sure but uh, that that's the only only thing i can think about new fire tv cuba new voice remote with um alex a built in for fire tv and also an upgrade to the echo show 15 which is their very big echo show that looks like a picture frame with a 15 inch screen that will allow it to actually run fire tv on the large display so basically if you have one of those hanging in your kitchen as a digital notice board and assistant you can now watch tv on it 
Interesting. Heading uh, into the uh, the world of mobile phone networks now, because there are rumours that Vodafone is currently in talks with three about merging their UK businesses. Uh, of course, we've we've seen these come and go several times, and the most recent one was uh, Virgin Media merging with O2. Yep. Um, those two players, of course, not competing in the mobile space uh, prior to that. That's why it's got through uh, BT the, and EE merge. That's yeah, that's true. Um, but we yeah we have been sat on the the kind of four major mobile networks for for some time. And from Ofcom's point of view, it's kind of keen on that. It likes the competition. It means that consumers generally get a better deal. Um, but Vodafone and Three are talking about uh, a merger. I think it'll be very interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out. Yes. So um, there's talk that they might have something ironed out by the end of the year. So we'll we'll keep an mm. eye on that one. Yeah, it's uh, it, it could could certainly be interesting. Three traditionally have concentrated a lot on the data side. Vodafone uh, much more on the the kind of reliability of the basic service. Um, maybe the best of both worlds. <laughs> maybe the worst. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll find out. Sticking in the telecom space and Australia's main network, uh, telephone network Optus, basically the BT equivalent, has just recently admitted that yes, they did lose or rather have stolen the personal information from about 1.2 million customers. That's now, information including at least one valid form of identification. Now, for, for me, the interesting bit here, obviously not too many of our listeners, I suspect, have been uh, been Optus customers in You've the past. an Australian uh, friend who... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, no doubt uh, for folks over there it's more relevant. But what is interesting is the the reaction to it and the, the penalties that have been imposed already. Um, so I, I think I saw reports that anyone whose driving licence was compromised uh, in the breach was having their driving license replaced at Optus's expense. Wow. So they're just wholesale replacing a bunch of driving licenses. I don't know if that's true for, for those other documents, but yeah, it's been I'd, I'd very imagine, much... I'd imagine a state-issued document like a passport could also fall fall into that category but potentially so but you know it was interesting at how quickly rather than it just being a, eh, yeah we'll sort of uh, get around to this and and maybe we'll say sorry and, and maybe we'll get slapped with a, a relatively small fine in the context of their operating mm -hmm. expenses very quickly it's the they've just stepped in and said right you cause this you need to you need to make people whole as a result of this. So, I, I think that was that was an interesting perhaps sign of things to come. Australia, not yeah, not too bad a, a track record on uh, on data privacy, and they're they're certainly one of the countries considered um, of equal protection to uh, to the UK and European Union. So, one to uh, one to watch from that side, I think. Yes. In the um, mobile device stakes, uh, Apple have just lost a second bid to challenge Qualcomm patents. Uh, they have been trying to get three Qualcomm patents uh, overturned or cancelled because um, these are patents that Qualcomm sued Apple for infringing. And um, that was settled out of court with Apple paying uh, rumoured to be billions of uh, dollars in licensing for those. And... Um, Apple are trying to get those patents count, which is a little bit of a 
yes, sneak, so norm- sneaky move. Normally, these things sort of play out as uh, uh, as one sues the other, the, the second sues the first one back again, and then they come <laughs> to an agreement that says, actually, you know, well, let's call it all quits and we're <laughs> we'll, we'll go away happy, but uh, not in uh, not in this case. Um, sticking with uh, with Apple for a second, because they've also announced that they've hit the hundred million song mark in the Apple Music catalog. Wow. They didn't say exactly what the hundred millionth song was that got added to the catalog. Uh, but they have recently included a lot more classical music, so I'm guessing that's going to bump up the count quite a lot. Um, but apparently, they get over twenty thousand contributions well, a day. Presumably, a lot of this is going to be sort of up and coming unsigned artists oh, yes. submitting their work. It might only end up with a few thousand plays, but you don't know which of those artists yep. is then going to go on and and accelerate. And be the next Taylor Swift, Swift to Ed Sheeran. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. A uh, couple, couple of small stories to uh, to end up with then. Uh, first of all, the UK uh, government has got a seat on the Global UN Telecoms Council. Um, so this is the ITU. Um, and really, that's, that's not going to be something that's going to cause immediate change. But that does mean that we end up with some representation in the standards process. So as it's uh, start to emerge, we're going to have a seat at that table. Yeah, quite important, especially with the UK government owning a part of OneWeb, the constellation of low Earth orbit broadband satellites, which yep. hasn't not, not yet active. Service. But, yep. you know, the, the regulations and licensing around that, quite important for the stakeholders to have a bit of a say in that. Uh, we're yep. in Region B, which includes France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Turkey and the UK. And then finally, Linux, uh, the operating system, has just released version 6, or the major version 6 of its kernel. And uh, that's uh, that's something that doesn't happen too often. It's sort of every few years or so um, we, we get a, a, a new cut. Honestly, not going to be much immediate change that you see, but nonetheless a, a big step forward for the open source operating system and hopefully paving the way for, uh, for things to come. I was going to say, it's a bit of a military contradiction, a major kernel. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we're uh, we're talking about smart gardening in just a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. Tuesday nights on Cambridge 105 Radio, Gary Blue plays blues the old-fashioned way, remembering the history of the music and its fascinating stories. Furry Lewis was born in 1893. And apparently he gained the nickname Furry because as a child he refused to get his hair cut. The Blue Show with Gary Blue, Tuesday at 11pm on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. There's something for everyone at Cambridge's most exciting venue, the Town and Gown Pub and Theatre. Housed on Market Passage in the Old Art Cinema Building, the Town and Gown combines a pub experience with a theatre experience. We host the best of professional fringe, cabaret and comedy nights in our intimate 100-seater theatre. The up-close and personal kind of performances that create a truly unique experience. Our menu is contemporary British pub food, featuring pub classics and international twists on British comfort food. We offer casual dining in our main bar, formal dining in our dining areas, and a pre-theatre dining package for theatre-goers. To check out our menus and programme of theatre and events, visit townandgown.co.uk. Or better still, just pop in and see us on Market Passage. CK 
KLG accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Sarah, one of CKLG's friendly tax advisors. Creating and preserving wealth is an aspiration for many of our clients. In our complex world of changing legislation and family circumstances, we listen and provide you and your family with bespoke tax advice tailored to your needs. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk. CKLG Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. we're talking smart gardening this week yeah we're carrying on with our smart gardening theme last time we looked at indoor smart gardening solutions a lot of those are hydroponic or drip fed and this time we're going to go back outside and look at greenhouse technology for those sensitive plants as well as how to keep growing things over winter so you might already have a greenhouse so things that you might want to consider for your existing greenhouse doesn't matter what sort it is are things like automated watering systems but more importantly solar powered ones Yes. Now, I, I suspect many greenhouses won't have uh, mains power out there. Um, I know some do. <laughs> One of my friends bought a, uh, uh, bought a house recently that had not only mains power, but also four Ethernet cables going out to the greenhouse. Um, as I suspect you can probably guess, that came from someone who worked for one of the local uh, Cambridge technology companies that have run that <laughs> one in. Uh, but if you were don't... They, were they growing raspberries for I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, but but uh, in any case, it's, it's now made for a nice uh, outdoor uh, wireless access point. Um, if you're not fortunate enough to have power outside, um, then solar panels can be very useful for, uh, for powering a water si watering system. Not least, it can tend to go hand in hand with the time that you want to water is also the time that it's hottest. That probably means it's the time that you're getting the most sun. Yes. Now, a lot of the smarter systems, and we've discussed this when we talked about smart watering systems uh, a few gadget guides ago, are clever enough to not water if the soil is already damp. So in other words, it will only water things that need watering them, which saves water for a start, but also yep. means that uh, that power is conserved for when it actually needs to do the watering. Yeah, very true. Uh, and of course, the other bit as well as the, the power is that you're also going to need a source of water. And again, many greenhouses, you're not going to have uh, piped fresh water going out there necessarily, but you might have a water butt, maybe even connected to uh, to guttering on the greenhouse itself uh, to collect rainfall that's uh, that's coming down on the roof. And you can then reuse that to uh, to water the plants inside. Yes, so the Watermate Mini from Harvest, that's spelled H-A-R-V-S-T, is a fully automatic watering system that, uh, well, so the Mini will do a greenhouse up to six foot by eight foot, so a an average T typical domestic greenhouse. Have. Yeah, yep. yeah, uh, which has got a combination of timers and sensors, uh, solar or mains powered, yeah, as you said, if you've got mains to it, great, otherwise you add the solar panel, it's a 10 watt solar panel, which is enough power to drive it water butt with the pump in it comes with the pump uh, you just drop in the water butt but you can also feed it with a garden hose it will just turn on the water and turn off the water from a garden hose as well uh, they can be wi-fi enabled so you can control them remotely we like things that are wi-fi nice. attached yeah uh, which will also then send you alerts so uh, the mini will good. run up to 40 drippers so that's 40 individual plants or 12 sprayers for four square meters of coverage Yep, it'll also do uh, do dual zone watering, 
Um, so maybe you've got uh, one particularly uh, you know, particularly sensitive bit of your greenhouse, or simply the stuff up in pots up on a shelf needs more water than the stuff planted directly in the ground, um, then you can uh, you can use that as well. Um, I, I did notice in response we talked about heat and light, but also humidity, um, which is going to be particularly important in a, a greenhouse environment. You can't just sort of assume that it's outside. There's nothing you can do about humidity. <laughs> it, maybe if the air itself is getting a bit dry, then you want to turn on your sprayers, particularly true for uh, for some types of plants. Yes, misters and so on are part of the, the watering consideration for greenhouses. Um, uh, total kit starting from about 200 pounds includes everything so that includes the control unit the solar panel the pump the air temperature sensor the valves uh, the uh, braided hose the distribution pipe joints fittings uh, greenhouse frame fittings microaggression pipe uh, drippers hose adapters sprayers yeah everything is in that pack o only thing you are going to need to add if you want to run it off a water butt is the water butt itself Yes. So it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't come with the the water storage container, um, but you can pick one up, up at your local garden centre for not very much uh, yeah, money. In, from I in think the we, we looked at about twenty pounds gets you a reasonable size exactly. water butt. Um, so yes, that's one option to consider. If you've got a bigger greenhouse, they do do a bigger system. That's the Watermate Pro, which can do greenhouses up to twelve foot by eighteen foot, and also poly tunnels. So if you actually have, you know, a decent amount of space and you're growing things in a poly tunnel. There are solutions available for that. Those about 250-odd quid. Uh, also solar-powered and designed to run off-grid. Of course, it's not just the watering that you need to worry about in a greenhouse. It's also the windows, uh, because greenhouses by design get pretty warm. <laughs> yeah, that's the point of them, is to, to capture the sunlight and uh, and keep it in. And that tends to mean they get uh, get very hot in the summer. Uh, most of them come with an open pool window, but you don't necessarily want to have to remember to go out uh, and open the window um, yeah, where, when it gets above a certain temperature. All your plants are now baked. <laughs> yes. So you can get automatic window openers. And same deal here is that you link it to those environmental sensors or when it's getting... Nope. But Simpler no, than that. Just, just sunlight? So the automatic greenhouse window opener is probably over 100 years old as an idea. It is an entirely mechanical process. It's ah, okay. filled with a mineral wax which expands and contracts based on the heat around it. Oh, nice. As so it, it doesn't expands, require any power. It pushes the piston open, which opens the window. Yes, oh, you have to, very you have nice. to close them manually, but it will open the window to vent the greenhouse. Um, yeah, these have been around for literally almost as long as greenhouses have had roof windows. Uh, someone came up with the idea. So yes, entirely. I've I've not seen the uh, the the mechanical only ones before. I've, I've seen the uh, the electric ones, and, you, you, and those you can link up. Obviously, can but... get electric ones. Yes, the the wax motor uh, fully adjustable for the temperature that it opens at as well, and uh, how much it opens the window. So, yeah, quite an interesting idea, and you know, not having to hook anything up to electrics is better if you haven't got electrics out there. Um, wax based ones starting from about twenty three pounds. Yeah, very, uh, very good. Uh, now, you might also want something to keep things light. Uh, and of course, we all know plants need a lot of light in order to uh, to grow well. Um, something that's been probably the the, uh, the kind of mainstay of commercial plant, plant growers until recently is the addition of natural light as well as the sunlight that your greenhouse might get. 
again, particularly important as we head into uh, the darker, shorter days. Yes, so grow lights have become a big thing and uh, not just for illicit uh, indoor farming purposes that the police raid regularly, but no, uh, a lot of amateur horticulturalists are using grow lights to keep the plants in their greenhouses happier in the darker months when we haven't got as much sunlight or maybe you have a sheltered back garden that doesn't get as much sun even in summer. Now, I, I have to say, uh, one of the, the amusing things I find about greenhouse grow lights is that over in the Netherlands, our not too uh, distant neighbours, um, all the greenhouses, the commercial greenhouses there obviously do have uh, uh, grow lights fitted to them as well. And they are one of the things connected to their National Grids Control Centre, so that ah. when they have too much electricity... Uh, and this actually happened in the UK over the uh, over the weekend. But when there was too much electricity, even if it's in the middle of the day, they can tell all of the greenhouses out of electricity demand. Um, we we saw a similar situation in the UK with uh, uh, the sort of windy weather over in Saturday early hours of Saturday morning, where there was actually too much electricity being generated and prices went negative for a few minutes. Wow. Yes, so LED grow lights obviously becoming a big thing because they are lower energy, lower heat. Even though you might want some heat, you don't necessarily want excess heat. Plenty of solutions available uh, from just straight LED strips. And we've seen LED strips available that you basically roll off a reel and tape onto whatever you want to actually light and then put power into them. You can get ones with specific grow LEDs that are the right yes. colour. Yes, that, that is definitely going to be more effective for the amount that you spend on the electricity. It's yes. going to be more effective to get ones that just deliver the types of light that plants actually use to grow. Yes, to, um, yeah, full main powered things. Now, solar again, there are solar-based solutions available, which have a small battery, a small solar cell, and a string of LED lights that can be powered by sun power. <laughs> I, it's actually yes. lacking in sun I, I suspect that really for anything that's going to make a, a measurable difference to the amount of uh, growth you're going to get in your plants, you're going to be looking at something that's mains powered, though that probably does mean uh, getting an electrician to uh, to run some power out into your greenhouse if you haven't got it already. Outdoor electric safe socket and all the rest. Grow light starting from about, 40, uh, from about 36 watts upwards uh, to a couple of hundred watts. So that's the sort of budget you need to think about in terms of power. These days we think about... <laughs> Well, how many watts is the thing going to draw? Because um, that costs the money. Um, and prices ranging from about £20 up, uh, depending on the size of the grow lights you want. Yeah. Now, realistically, if, you, uh, if you're wondering how much something like that might cost to run, uh, one of the uh, sort of relatively large models that uh, is available on Amazon reckon that it's 300 watts. Um, that means if you're running it for eight hours a day, it's going to use 2.4 kilowatt hours a day. And at current electricity prices, that's going to be somewhere around the 75 pence a day uh, to run one of these units. So it's so yeah, bu budget a pound a day. Exactly. It's yeah. You know, it's it's not the end of the world, but it's certainly uh, certainly now something that you probably would notice on your monthly electricity bill if you're running it all year round. Certainly. Yes. Uh, if it's just in winter, well, you're. I think we're all used to utility bills going up in winter, even before prices went a little bit nuts. Uh, because we run heating more often. Now, heating, of course, you might want to do in your greenhouse as well. Yes, uh, very true. Uh, and this is something that, again, depends an awful lot on uh, uh, you know, what technology you have available, what facilities you have available. If you've got mains down there, 
probably going to be the cheapest option to uh, to run a mains powered heater. You're going to want it temperature controlled, so it only comes on when it's necessary. <laughs> if you don't have mains electricity out there, you're probably looking at something like a paraffin or uh, or similar heater, or maybe gas powered heater. Yes, certainly a lot of options available for heating greenhouses. It obviously depends on the sort of things you want to grow in the greenhouse. Uh, but we'll look at a, a few more options if you haven't got a greenhouse yet on where you can get started after the break. Cambridge 105 Radio. Wednesday nights on Cambridge 105 Radio, the hip-hop show. DJ Remedy and CC sample funk and Latin drum breaks and connect with local rappers, DJs and producers. They call it the four elements. What started, in my knowledge, is the breakdancing, the graffiti and the DJ. Oh, yeah. um, and the DJ really was the thing that really kicked the culture off. The Hip Hop Show, Wednesdays at 10 on Cambridge 105 Radio. The cost of living is impacting thousands of people and families across Cambridgeshire. As a result, Cambridge City Food Bank is busier than ever. May 2022 was our second busiest month on record, with over 1,200 people receiving an emergency food parcel. While we expect to be busy around Christmas, it is highly unusual for us to see so many people needing help at this time of year. It truly is a sign of the times. Now, more than ever, Cambridge City Food Bank needs your help to ensure no one in our city or the surrounding villages goes hungry. To find out how you can support, either through a food or financial donation, please visit cambridgecity.foodbank.org.uk. Are you suffering from buffering? Find yourself screaming, not streaming? Or do you just lag behind? Then it's time to demand better broadband. City Fibre is building a brand new full fibre network across the UK, giving you access to broadband from a range of providers that's more reliable and up to 20 times faster than average. So you can stream, game and video call without interruption. Get connected to full fibre today. Choose your provider at cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. And we are talking about greenhouses, smart and otherwise. And, well, it's all very well having all the smart technology, but what if you haven't got the greenhouse yet? <laughs> so your main requirements are a firm level surface. Uh, you can't really set up a greenhouse reliably just on turf. Uh, ideally, you want it on either concrete or pavers. You know, if you've got a patio, good place for setting up a greenhouse. You don't have to go particularly large. You can start with uh, fairly small greenhouses. You can also go for ones that are, it's a glorified tent. <laughs> it's got a, an aluminium frame and what looks like green bubble wrap over it um, to give you double layer. And you set it up almost like a tent or a little gazebo. Uh, they start from about £85. I did find in the garden centre for £130. It was £85 online and a bit cheaper from <clears throat> Amazon. Um, but yes, there are plenty of options. And of course, seeing it in the garden centre gives you the chance to at least look at the box and um, maybe even see one set up if they've got one set up. Uh, and of course, that's that's probably also something that's a whole load easier to uh, to carry home with you. And probably, I suspect, a little bit more resilient to uh, the neighbour's football coming over the fence. And, you know, it, it is a much more, uh, much more flexible and, and probably forgiving material. Uh, than the sort of traditional glass panels that, uh, if anything looks the wrong way at it, tends to uh, tends to end in tears. 
at the same time, you do need to make sure these things are anchored down properly. Yes. Um, <laughs> so they don't get blown away. Especially as we head into winter. Of course, we had some, yes. some exceedingly high winds last winter. Probably going to have the same at some point uh, this winter. So yeah, do make sure... If you think of it as a tent, then... It, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, the, <laughs> these things do need anchoring down. And that does mean that if you've got a, a, a maybe a patio base or something like that, you're going to need to somehow either attach to it or put some decent hefty weights on the bottom of this to, uh, yes. to to keep it where it starts off. If you do a search online for Grow Zone, G-R-O Zone, uh, Smart Garden, then you'll find their whole range of uh, greenhouses. Some of them just look like a, a wardrobe or a cupboard almost, just with a bunch of shelves and a, a, a cover that rolls down the front. Uh, none of, well, you, go, you get some walk-in ones, but a lot of them are just sort of almost like plant shelving, but as a greenhouse. Good uh, place and of to course start. This does mean that, quid. yeah, this does mean that even if you haven't got a garden, maybe you've got a, a flat with a balcony or, or something along yep. those lines, you can maybe just sneak something like that in there and, and get a little bit of uh, a little bit of gardening in um, that you thought perhaps was uh, was outside of the, the sort of possibilities for, for that property. Now, if you want something a bit more substantial, you can get mini greenhouses that are made out of wood or, or aluminium uh, with polycarbonate panels. So those are, yeah. Like you said, glass has got the danger of uh, yeah next door's football or the puppy. Uh, polycarbonate, tough, strong, slits through the UV, which is what you need for your plants, and a lot lighter. So you can get those starting mm -hmm. from about uh, 100 pounds. And then we can get into the league of smart greenhouses. And these are fully bespoke automatic mini greenhouses. Um, and this is from the Harvest Company again, H-A-R-V-S-T, who do a whole range of mini uh, greenhouses uh, their sprout range the 6 14 and 24 they've also got a sprout 10 which is a bit more vertical polycarbonate and, and aluminium frames again uh, these ones have got the automatic openers automatic watering systems heating systems so yes you need mains to them and led grow lights you can basically build your own package depending on if you want just a uh, a summer greenhouse or maybe you want an all year round one with the heating and the light uh, and it it sort of reminds me looking at these a little bit of the the kind of indoor smart gardening systems that we talked about a, a couple of episodes ago um where you pretty much uh, okay this doesn't come with the the, the plants and, and the pods but there if you haven't got any outdoor space we we sort of spoke about these systems where you basically get a, a lettuce pod or something like that and, and yep. put it in and it does all of the stuff to take care of it those systems very much geared up for indoor installation the smart greenhouses really same deal but looking at something you put outside even if it's not in a what would traditionally be an ideal location for a greenhouse you know if, if you don't have that direct sunlight if you don't have the uh the kind of nice open space you can probably tuck one of these down the back of the house or uh yeah possibly even down an alleyway yeah if you can get power to it to run the grow lights absolutely and the heating absolutely you can put these almost anywhere uh, you know, uh, even if it's a fairly shaded, sheltered patio, that can be a perfectly acceptable place for these if you've got a uh, an outdoor power socket for them. Yeah, uh, not uh, not cheap, not cheap. But then everything is in the box. That means it's got all of those controllers, all the smart stuff that is Wi-Fi and app attached. Uh, it has everything you need to get started. All you've got to do is basically provide the plants. Um, start at about five hundred and fifty pounds for the Sprout Six. In the range all the way up to if we look at their big range in the four season range 
uh, just trying to find the Sprout 24 Four Seasons, that's which coming in. has. Yep, go uh, that's going to come in at £750. Yeah, so, yeah, a reasonable investment, but maybe something that can get you going in uh, in the world of uh, of greenhouse gardening yeah. when you thought you it wasn't possible. Tw- 24 seed trays on four shelves, including the base level. Obviously, as things get larger, you can pop them out to bigger trays. Um, it is your own personal little nursery gate, basically, to, to grow uh, things. And, and growing small veg and so on, like lettuce and uh, things that do well in that sort of environment, they're easy. So, yeah, if you haven't actually got something, these can actually just get you everything straight out of the box. Yes, and interesting stuff. Anyway, we've, we've looked at a whole load of smart gardening techniques over <laughs> over the last uh, last few episodes. Um, what What's in what's in your garden at the moment that uh, that maybe uh, sort of do an upgrade uh, with the latest technology? Uh, so I, I have got a, a uh, vegetable uh, growing tub thing, uh, which I've had for a number of years. It's called a veg, a veg trug. Um, it was a uh, quite a clever design. It's a, just an aluminium frame with a felt type liner that you then put your soil in and, and grow your veg in. It's growing stuff at the moment. It's got um, it's got some rocket and some parsley growing in it. Problem is, it sat outside for so long in the previous place that actually one of the legs rotted off. For uh, about so, so it's the, the very low tech so repair needed. It, it, it has a brick underneath one leg, which keeps it level. Uh, was looking at a replacement. Uh, you can still get that design for about twenty or thirty quid. Um, they're more advanced uh, wooden ones. Come in at about one hundred and fifty pounds. So raised gardens, not a, raised planters, not a bad idea. And you can get covers for them that almost turn them into a greenhouse. So domed covers yeah. with a, a liner that basically keeps the cold out and some of the heat in to make them into a semi-greenhouse thing. So that's another way of doing it. If you've already got some raised planters, as some sort of dome covering to turn it into a, an in-place greenhouse already. Very good. I think I need to sort out some automatic watering for uh, for my flower beds because, uh, frankly, get, remembering to get around to it is uh, has not gone so well. That's what we've got time for today on the Gadget Guide. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Cambridge 105 Radio. 